So the, the title of my sharing this morning is Alignment, Alignment. And the ultimate alignment is what happened last Sabbath, right? Some, uh, not everybody get to attend, but those of you who were here witnessed the baptism. Just to show you a photo, it is not staged or posed. She actually was in the water. We did dunk her, and uh, she's baptized, and she's well, now a part of the Aztec family. Welcome, Margaret. Let's welcome her. So the welcome is not just in words or just giving her wine clap, right? <laughs> Let's continue to make her feel welcome, right? And what we're going to talk about today is also on that topic. That it's not just this one hour we spend together. That there needs to be more. The connection now, we're forced by circumstances and the situation we're in to make a little bit more effort, which actually is a return to the original alignment. So uh, a few weeks ago, my son was introduced to the awesome... Uh, wooden-made train set. Oh, he enjoyed himself. He was playing and playing, and he wouldn't leave, and uh, someone was playing with him, and that person actually told me, whoa, <laughs> so tiring, because <laughs> Lucas will not run out of energy, and it's something so exciting, he would keep playing playing. So he's at a phase recently where he's really interested in like train-like things, right? So he's really excited when we drive past the MRT and he sees the MRT passing by, be MRT, MRT, right? And um, of course, uh, we went on the new Thompson line. We took a ride from the first station all the way to Woodlands. We didn't go to Woodlands North, nothing there, right? So we went to Woodlands, we stopped, there's, there's something there to see, and then we took the train all the way back to Caldecott, and then it is wonderful, right? We had a whole experience. But trains are interesting stuff, right? When it first started, steam trains or locomotive, right? Uh, trains actually the, the part behind them. Um, they are they're pulled along. They're pulled along by this huge engine, be it from, from a wood fire or then later on being more motorized. This huge engine will have to pull the rest of the train along the track as much as they can. Uh, and depending on how powerful the, the, the engine is, you can pull how much load. It's all dependent on that. And uh, growing up, there's a st the, the story of the train, little train who goes, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then he goes up the mountain, pulling the train with him, really, really. And if that, that, that engine fails, the whole thing stops. The whole thing stops, right? Then no more movement until it's fixed. So the other day, we went to the Thompson Line MRT, and it's interesting. There is no front engine. So if you go to the first cabin, you actually get to see the track, right? It's a bit like the, the, the train, the LRT thing you see at the Changi Airport, where it's just an open mirror, you stand there, you see the light going through the tunnel, going up, going down. Lucas was really excited, but also kind of scared. He's like, where are we going? You know, like, there's nothing. You know? And then suddenly the train station appears, and uh, it's really exciting stuff. But the, for the fact is, every part of the MRT, uh, train has to participate in moving the train along the track, right? Every part has to play its part. In fact, when they first brought in these new trains for the Thompson line, they did testing in Bishan, which is just right, right near where we are. That's the testing center. And the first batch, because of the misalignment, it derailed. It wasn't a serious derailment where the whole toppled. It came off the track, and then the whole thing stopped. So every single part, be it the first train or the last one or the middle one, if any part of it disconnect, the whole thing stops. Good. Or else you get this whole flip-flop crazy thing. And then you will notice that I'm missing Taiwan a lot. 
right? So then you get this, right? The, the high-speed rail. The high-speed rail works on the same principle as the MRT. Every track, every train has to participate in the work for it to, to do work. But the thing is, the technology of high-speed rail has gone beyond the limitation of rail physics. It has to float. It has to be slightly above the actual metal that connects the two trains. So in a way, it's derailed, but not. And because it's, it's this elevated, it's caught by this invisible force called the magnetic field. It flows a little bit off the track, and it's going to... Uh, the one I took went up to about 297 kilometers an hour. Supposedly, it can go faster, but because we have human beings in the, the high-speed rail, they don't go as fast, just in case something happened. I love it. It's really expensive, but there's one time I just took it for the sake of it. So Tiff had a whole day out by herself. This before Lucas, of course, and um, I had a day to myself. So what do I do? Let's go take the high-speed rail to Taichung. <laughs> you know, I just went by myself, walked to the station, went to Taipei, took a t an hour and a half journey to Taichung, walked around Taichung, took it back. Right? If I drove, it'd be like a five hours, four hours drive, I think, to Taichung. Um, awesome. Awesome stuff. But the interesting thing about the track is that first it has to be aligned. Every part has to participate. But the most important part about the train is not the train itself. It's the track. It's the track. If the track leads you to this mountain nothingness, the train will go off. If the track goes into a wall, the train goes into the wall, right? It's where the track goes. In fact, the, the electricity comes through the, the track to the train to make the train move. So without the track, the train is not much use. It can't go anywhere. So for us as Christians, what are we like? What kind of train are we? Are we the old locomotive, single-headed train that pulls us along? Uh, what is that engine that pulls you? Could be the Sabbath morning one-hour worship service. That's a lot. Depend on just one hour. You hope that this engine has enough coal feeding into the fire to produce enough steam to last you the whole journey. And if this doesn't work, the whole week is out. Maybe not too bad, right? Most of us are maybe in this phase where we're the MRT, right? MRT. The whole week is connected. Of course, there's this directional front person. In fact, in the Thompson Line MRT, there was a MRT staff. He was sitting in the first First, uh, first cabin, and he had to take care of any emergency that happens. He's there with the walkie-talkie. But uh, the whole train, whole MRT train works. It guides you to wherever you're supposed to go. Every part of the, the train works together. It, maybe that's your Christian life, that the whole week is connected and plays its part as it leads up to the wonderful Sabbath worship service. It's not led by it, but it brings you towards it. This wonderful day of celebration and remembrance of God's work in our lives. Or, well, what most of us are maybe striving for is the high-speed train. Where you can go so fast in your life, it was where you're supposed to go, and you experience freedom. You know, the floating, you're almost like flying on the track. And that's Christian freedom, I think. It gives you freedom to be what you're supposed to be, guided by the track. So what is your track? The verse for today. Oh, it's going the wrong direction. 
John 15. Turn me to the book of John 15. Took us a little while to get back to this verse. I, talk, I, I shared with you, I was going to come here, but there's certain things that happened. I changed my sermon, went through a little detour. Now we're finally back here. And even for this sermon, I prepared it a week ahead. And last, last night, yesterday morning, I told Kelly, I'm going to change all my slides. You know? God made me rewrite the whole sermon, which I did, right? Thursday night, rewrite the whole thing. Even this morning, God made me change one more slide. I didn't say, sorry, Kelly, I'm going like, to change one more slide. Um, but let us go into John 15. John 15. This vine that the Bible talks about, that John the Apostle talks about, what is it? Can it be our track in life? Read with me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine." Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whosoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit in our Christian lives can come in many ways and form and expression. But the fact that you have to bear fruit is non-negotiable. You have to. It's part of who you are. It should be an outgrowth of your person as a follower of Jesus. There's no other option. But let's go deep into the verse and have a look at what it's saying here. The very first word that John uses, which he uses quite often, is the word, I am the true vine. True. It's easy to read through it and go, sure, Jesus is the true vine. But did you think about it that when the, John was saying this, I'm the true vine, he is suggesting that the very opposite exists, that there is a false vine, that there is something that you can depend on that is not who God has asked us to depend on to sustain our lives, that it is possible for us to live our life in such a way that our sustenance, our root system is not where it's supposed to be. I am the true vine. In fact, the word in Greek means it's an organic connection. This true word bears the meaning of it's an organic, not a, 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 a man-made kind of thing. It happens naturally, even invisibly. But it happens you organically depend on this vine system, this root system to pro provide with you for nutrients without you realizing that it's happening. So as much as we talk about D-groups, discipleship app, all this awesome stuff, those are tools. Those are materials and resources which we think will help you in your growth, but it cannot be dependent on 100% for growth, which actually has been a problem for Christianity. You know, bro, if you go through this program, you'll be a good Christian. If you participate this afternoon in our AY, you know, when Jeff was leading Shine, Jesus Shine, I was just telling Kelly, man, I brought me back to my youth ministry days. 
Then the very next moment, I realized the fact that I'm saying that means I'm old. And I was like, oh, they felt like youth ministry days in Thompson, you know? It's like that kind of way, the way the worship is led. It's like, but that was the thing. The rhetoric we're told if you, if you participate in, in care groups on Friday nights, you come for worship, you come to Sabbath school in the morning, you go for worship, you participate in AY in the afternoon, you be a mature Christian. Mind you, my youth ministry was 100 people. We were all in all those programs. Friday night, Saturday morning, Sabbath worship, AY, sundown, makan after sundown, play something after makan. <laughs> Parents call, where is my son? Auntie, don't worry, with the youth leader. Where are you guys? Coming home, lah, auntie, don't worry. Sunday morning, we play soccer. Afternoon, go for McDonald's. <laughs> after McDonald's, go for jalan-jalan. Then go and do homework, okay? But today, out of the hundred, maybe 15 of us are around. Faithful attendance. Every single program the church provides, at every single event, revival meeting, evangelism, Christmas party, carol singing, everything. Hundreds of us. We needed two buses. Fifteen. Best guess. Fair enough, some went overseas. Not many. A lot of them know more in church. So it cannot be that a program is divine. It cannot be that the program, this beautiful track, is the, what we depend on for spiritual growth, to remain in Jesus Christ, to grow as a Christian, to mature. It cannot be. Those are good. Don't get me wrong. It cannot be the source. Those are tools for you to grow. But you cannot depend on that. Those are helpful. Young adult leaders, youth leaders, do not hear me wrongly that you can slack off. But what are we depending on has to be an organic, relational growth in who we are worshipping. This true also encompasses the meaning of consistent. And consistency means regularly participating in it. Many of us who used to gym used to would know this. COVID, lockdown, four weeks never go to gym. After lockdown, you have to book your slot. Too slow, can't get a slot. Second month, cannot go to the gym. Third month, open up slots, but a bit scared. Everybody take off masks in the gym. And then they all, <laughs> don't go to the gym. Then when you go back to the gym, one day, finally, cannot move the weight, even though it was just your warm-up weight last time. Consistency. Once you stop, it's hard to get back. If you do it once a month, that's not consistency. That's restarting a new thing every month. Once a week, a little bit better. Once every two days, not bad, bro. Once every day, a bit much. <laughs> but consistency in our, in our growth is important as the train moves along the track. One of the things that really Tiffany really dislikes is trains that go... The old, not being critical, but that's fact, the red line, 
ding, 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 ding. The train like hiccup, no? Cannot smoothly run. Thompson line. Beautiful. North South line. Hiccups. Hiccup, never mind. Sometimes throw up. All the people, please leave the station. Please follow the exit and take the bus. Wow, all the grab driver, taxi driver, happy. You know? All rush to there. Consistent. You don't do smooth, consistently, continually. This true explains that. It has to be this relational connection that, that is not periodically or even week, once a week kind of thing. It has to be frequent. And this true also means complete. It's all you need. It has to start, it has to end. It cannot be something you go to only when things are not working. It cannot be a relational thing that you go and try to seek help. I think my friends from other religions have a saying for that. We go hug the leg, you know, last minute. No user. But a lot of us view Jesus like this. Last minute, go and hug Jesus' leg. I will not let you go until you bless me, Jacob. You make sure you hug the right leg, though. Whose leg are you hugging? <laughs> Why don't you hold his hand? Walk beside him. That's more pleasant than trying to grab hold of his leg last minute. Say, so you shall not leave me. God doesn't want to leave us. God's been there. We left him. Then we come back. Why you leave me? That was me. In fact, I just heard a story from my friend, a similar story. When we were young, you know, you go to the supermarket, Lucas is having the same thing. Are you? Hold, hold his hand, right? You're walking around this huge supermarket and then you see something you like. And then before you know it, the parents are like, where's Lucas? Or my mom and dad, where's James? I'm somewhere. And then when they finally found me, I'm crying and sobbing. Why you never like, why you never hold my hand? Blame my mom and dad for, for letting go. I was the one who goes. And ran away. Blame God. God, you ditched me. God, you neglected me. God, remember last time I called you in 2017? How come you never talked to me after that? Because like, I, had, I didn't hang up the phone, man. Let's go on. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. These are not suggestions. These are just factual observations. If you've been walking with God all this time and you've not bear fruits in any form or expression, God is saying, think, what's going on? He doesn't blame you, but He wants you to think. Is this what you want in your life? He's going to take it away, not because He's trying to ostracize, exodus you, but maybe when you go out, you realize what you miss, and when you come back, you realize this is what it's like to be connected to life and how I live was without life. He's going to take away. He's not going to give you a false hope, false experience of being connected with Him. He says, go and experience what it's like. Don't, don't kid yourself that you're kind of connected to me, but not. Go. So one, last time when we were working as lifeguards to prevent us from kissing everybody, there was this oxygen machine for CPR. Right, that you use that's kept in the life, lifeguard room. 
And the thing is to pump oxygen, you have to plug it into the PowerPoint, and then you put the mask on, and you switch it on, and you just you force pure oxygen into you. Just to confess, all of us, whenever after swimming, we breathe in some pure oxygen ourselves because nobody uses it anyway. Right? Not many people drown, but it feels really good when after you exercise, you just. <sighs> so one day there's a new lifeguard among us, and. Uh, he saw us doing that after, after swimming, and he's like, well, what is this thing you're doing? It looks really awesome. I said, oh, it's pure oxygen. When your body's tired, when you breathe it in, it just replenishes your spirit. I said, really, really? How do you work it? And so we plug it in, and we show him. Two of us did it, and then we, we left. We went to do other stuff. Of course, we're back on duty. And then this bro right, went for a swim, and then he was sitting there, and he was doing this for like 15 minutes, and then he'd be like, <coughs> and then he calls, and like, so when I went over here and said, uh, brother, are you okay, man? Uh, don't, don't contaminate the Please, you know, like, what are you doing? I said, I can't breathe. I don't understand how you guys are enjoying this. I took it. There was no oxygen. I looked. It was plugged in. But then there's a switch. You have to switch on, you know. Just breathe for 15 minutes his own carbon dioxide, right? Sealed. So even though you think you may be connected to God, do you turn on the switch? Are you letting the power run through you? In Singapore, that's very important. Because if you have electrical appliances, you, you plug it in, but you don't turn on the power, it's going to decompose in six months. Happened to a lot of stuff in SDEC during the lockdown. Came back, I'll pick up the earphone. Goodbye, friend. You've got to plug it in, the static electricity thing, you know, keeps it in place. Put a battery, change the battery, it does help. So plug in. Are you plugged in and are you at the right place? Are you producing fruit? But then the next one is even more interesting. It says, for those who does produce fruit and every branch that does produce fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. If you want an example of that, look behind. We've got bananas that's like never pruned at the back. Then the leaves start obscuring each other. Then the fruit, the, the banana is so big. Snack, right? But you see the bananas, some of them are so big because you prune it, you give them space to grow and produce better fruits. So even if you're producing fruit, be ready for pruning. Pruning may not come in the form you like. It may be things that God will be challenging you to give up, to let go, to change, and you'll be uncomfortable. But that is so you will produce more fruit. So don't go like, why am I having discomfort as a follower of Jesus? I've been faithful. I've been good. I've been, I've been a good Christian, James. Why am I experiencing? I think pruning. Praise God. You bear more fruits after this. We seems to dislike discomfort in Christianity, which cannot be found in the Bible. But I promise you discomfort. Challenges you. Sorry. And then next, the pruning is also the purifying process. The word, see, Greek word, you know, so rich, right? It's like just one word. We just prune, prune, cut. In Greek, there's so much more. It also means purifying. It takes out the impurities. So you can say in Greek, the same word, you prune the water. You purify the water of contamination. And that's going to be uncomfortable. Because there's things that you've grown accustomed to. There's a part of you, God's going to like, I need to remove that. So that you don't poison other people. 
You may not harm you, but you may harm somebody else, so I have to take it out. And pruning, the word that is often neglected, pruning is also has the word justify. When God prunes you, He justifies you, makes you right with Him. It's like the branches who is put into a new tree branch, didn't fit properly, you got to prune it off, rebundle it. It's like your bone, you know, you break your leg bone, they have to clean it up. I had that surgery done on my knee because I, I broke my ACL and then the disc in, inside was damaged and so it was not smooth. When you have something that's not smooth, right, as I walk down the stairs, because it's edged out, my knee will give way and I'll fall down one flight of stairs. It's just suddenly, like, you have, like, nothing, right? And so when I went for the surgery, the first thing that the, the surgeon says is it's going to be two parts. The first part is to clean it up. I'm going to cut off part of your support thing inside. I said, you're supposed to fix it, not cut more stuff off. It's like, if I don't cut it, your knee will not fit properly because it's damaged. And then I will repair, I'll take something else from the other part of your body and I'll put it on your knee to be a new ACL and it's going to be less flexible, but you won't fall downstairs anymore. And you can stretch it out, you know, rubber band, after a while it becomes flexible again, but for a while my, my legs cannot bend more than this. Now it's this, praise God, right? So the pruning, the justification, there needs to be cleaning up before you can be connected properly to God. And God says for those who are bearing fruits, that's a necessary process you have to go through. Then he goes on. He says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so here the connection comes. Right? It's wonderful when you come to church and hear wonderful sermons by people and are blessed by it and are encouraged by it, inspired by it. But those words spoken can only keep you clean if you do these three things. When you exit from the doors of the church, whichever, or you, you turn off the Facebook live stream, that those words that you hear from whoever is sharing, it's not my, 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 my privilege to just be the only person who can speak to you. That's not how this church works. But whatever words you hear from doesn't even have to be, to be during sermon. could be in the call to worship scripture reading could be in the worship leading songs, could be the prayer that you heard from Ian. Any part that blesses you, you have to do this. The spoken word will only keep you clean if you claim it. What does claiming mean? You apply it. You live as though that word that's spoken is true. It's no longer here. It is here. That the words that you hear, the truth that you hear that is so awesome. You know, a lot of the Instagram Christian authors sort of have like these wonderful quotes Say, oh, I love the quote. That, that's me, I'm guilty. I'll share, share, share. Oh, this quote is nice. But it's no use if I just share this awesome quote, but I don't live it. It has to be received. What I mean by receive is it has to be practiced. One of the words receive is used in the Bible is receiving the communion. And for, for the early Christians, it was done almost weekly, daily. They have to practice that Jesus' life is now their life. That the bread of life is now their life. That the blood he shed, the redemption he's done on the cross is now their life. To receive the word daily is not just about reading a, a, a verse in the morning for devotion. It's about applying it, believing it, living it. 
It's no use claiming only the scripture you like and those you don't like. That's for any other authors, you can do that. But the Bible is one book entirely. Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, that word didn't exist until we put it in there. It's just one book. In fact, the Old Testament was the Bible of Jesus. If you think about it, that was his Bible. And so when somebody says the Old Testament is useless, why don't you have a chat with Jesus about that? So the entire Bible has to be believed and lived. Then it becomes real and alive and powerful. Too many Christians come to me and say, Pastor, I've been Christian all my life and Christianity is dead and dull and boring. I say, have you applied what you've read? I say, I don't like it. may not be pleasant sometimes in the beginning. No new activity is pleasant, honestly, when you first start it. If you don't know it, you're awkward, your body doesn't, you know, doesn't know what to do, anything. But as you get into it, as you live into your life, as you become a part of you, you understand, you, 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 you live with it, you, you know how it works, but you have to start. One of the things that, 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 that is here that is often missed out in English is that when we read the Bible, we hear things like, you, you, I say these things to you, we think it's just to me. Christianity has become no different from the consumer culture, where everything is customized and tailored to my personal, individual, unique preference. But do you know, if you, if you count the number of times Jesus refers to somebody singularly, it's very little. And in fact, those times are often in specific to that person and not to us individually. The other you that the Bible mentions, that's why in, in King James, the benefit is you still get the plural you and the singular you, or if you're American, hey, y'all, that's the better word. The you here is plural. The words I've spoken to you have to be lived as a community. A lot of time we think of Christian growth as an individual journey. I work out my faith in Jesus. But no, continually, consistently, the Bible talks about working out in a community. And that's why the current circumstances forces us to do more than just attend church for one hour a week. You have to live it out in your daily lives with one another in the church, with the church, with the community that's around you. Look around you right now and see how many times you've seen the person next to you. There's a lot of us wanting to come back to church in person because we have not seen each other for a long time. My question, why? Have we just allocated church friends' time in our schedule as this Saturday 9.30? to 2.15 p.m. For the TTKK to 9.30 p.m. If we drink theta rate to midnight. That's it. Sunday cannot. Monday cannot. Tuesday cannot. We're still working like an old locomotive steam engine. Slow. Come on to the high-speed rail times, yeah? The whole train has this freedom to float above the rail but not be derailed. Fly through countries. I wish we had one in Singapore to Kuala Lumpur. Doesn't matter, we can't go to JB yet. 
In the next word that we see in the next verse, verse 4. Abide in me that I in you as the branch cannot bear fruits by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I've said this many, many, many times. If the Bible repeats a word, it's them highlighting it, putting it in the bowl, spotlight. It's like, it is important, guys. And this word has just been repeated three times in one verse. Neon, LED, what else do you want? Abide, because why? The Bible mentions things that we struggle with. If something is easy and can be done naturally, the Bible doesn't even have to talk about it. But when you mention something, it's because you can't do it. It's not natural. It's not your reflex. You don't like it. Abide. Abide in Christ is often thought of as a singular directional thingy. I abide in Jesus. I do my best. Willpower, discipline, abide, morning devotion, evening devotion, prayer time, go to church, abide. The abide here is naturally a word that is mutual. You abiding in Christ also means you're submitting and opening your life to allowing Christ to abide in you. One clear example of that in prayer, do you talk nonstop? Maybe you should shut up and just have time for God. Just stop, pause. Before you start praying and after you, start, after you finish praying, just let God talk a little bit. When you read the Bible, do you just read through? I'm going to finish the Bible in two years or one year. But as you read a verse, do you stop and just let it sink in and let God speak those words into your heart? We're just rushing through to check off the list. I've read through the Bible again. I'll be happier if we just spend one week thinking about one verse in the Bible than you reading through the Bible twice a week. Because that's more powerful for that one verse to be alive in you, to abide in you as you abide in Him. It has to be continual. And the keyword of this abiding is there's an idea of waiting. In our instant culture, there needs to be a, less, a learning of how to take things in God's time. To wait. One of the things that I keep seeing on my Instagram recently is kombucha. Huh? This fermented tea drink thingy. Everybody posting. And they like to post the moment the bubble starts happening in the jar. And then they, they open it up and then it burps. You can't rush that fermentation. You, know? you have to wait. See the bubble happen until it reaches the point where it's ready, then you pour it out. Sometimes, not sometimes, I think with God it's the same. Wait. Wait for Him to ferment your, your life, change your life, transform it from the inside. It's like baking, right? You put leaven into the bread. You cannot like, hey, hurry up. In Singapore, it's actually not too bad because the weather is really hot and humid. Like, as a recipe I used when I was in Australia, that would take three hours, you know, for the pizza dough. And then I first time I did it in Singapore, I didn't think about it. Three hours, right? I've been doing it for like years and years in Australia, forgetting the basic principle of checking the temperature and environment, right? I left it there and I went out with tea and then the dough was like, <laughs> woo, we're going to have a lot of pizza for a while. But you wait. You wait for God to work, do His work. You can't hurry Him, nor should you hurry Him, but you need to allow Him. 
Don't rush. God is not rushing. Finally, the word vine. I think just put those three words there for the sake of it. The word in Bible, whenever the vine is mentioned, there's only two vines. The evil, bad vine and the other vine consistently, continuously, 100% of the time refers to Jesus Christ only. What are you depending on to sustain your growth? Is it the church? Is it the pastor? Is it your care group? Is it your D group? I'm not saying those things are bad, but they must lead you to Jesus. They must help you build a personal, regular, intimate relationship with Jesus. If not, no matter how much of the Bible you read and you know and you can even teach it, it's useless if you have not grown in your love for Jesus over the years. If you've not come to cherish Him more than ever before. If there comes to a point where people ask you to choose between Jesus and anything else, you will pick Him over them. Then you need to think, which track are you going on? Where is your train going? It doesn't matter, in fact, if you are the old school locomotive, you're the MRT, or your high-speed rail. Of course, you want to upgrade and improve your life. I'm not criticizing any of forms of those existence, but I do want you to grow. But the most important of this whole thing is the track. Which track are you on? Where is the track leading your life toward? At the end of life, where is gonna, are you going to go? Back home to the Father or somewhere else? There's only one place I want to be is with my father in his house, eating with him at the table, with all of you, everybody together. This really majestic, long reunion dinner, lunch, breakfast, lunch, nonstop. So let's move on from informational. I talked about being experiential. And let's strive for the ultimate goal that God is calling us to, transformation. Amen. Let us all sing the song Holy, Holy, Holy in our hearts, our minds, and remind us of the glorious day when we all commune.
Shall we pray? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Father, as we continue into the week with you, may you not depart from our side, and may we not neglect your presence in our lives. May you be in our family, our workplace, our schools, our homes, and wherever we go, may we be walking with you, growing with you, abiding in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.